The following programming is sponsored by Kevin Wilson. The views expressed do not necessarily reflect the views of this station, its management, or Beasley Media Group. Welcome, everyone, to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollock. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips too. So let's get the show started. Welcome to our listeners around the world via the podcast. Our listeners on Talk Radio WWDB and our new listeners on WPEN HD2 97.5 FM. It's Tuesday drive time for you. Big show today. We start by talking to Alex Strange from Bassett's Ice Cream. And then we will talk to owner and chef Jared Cannon of Simply Good Jars. And then we move on from there to talk to Matt Rossi from Nick's Roast Beef, Cotman Ave, and Woodhaven Road. And then we're going to end this amazing show with our very own chef, Gene Blum. He's going to be at a lobster hatchery in Maine. We have an action-packed show. Let's get this exciting show started. Chef Gene, introduce your fabulous guest. Well, as everyone knows, I love ice cream. And if you may or may not know, but the best ice cream in the state of Pennsylvania, according to the experts in the food and wine world, is Bassett's Ice Cream. Right here in Philadelphia, started in Reading Terminal Market. And at this time, I have the great honor of introduce Alex Bassett Strange, uh, one of the original six-generation uh, six family members yep. of Bassett's. Alex, welcome to the show. Steph, thank you so much for having me on. So, so Alex, mm -hmm. you a, interesting career. I love your career. The fact that you grew up at Bassett's in Reading Terminal Market. And for anybody who doesn't know, Bassett's is the only original member of Reading Terminal Market that remains. So they're, That's you know, right. they started there. They actually started prior to that. Uh, in what, if you ever heard my history of Reading Terminal Market, in the original <laughs> market that was further down the street, and mm. they came into Reading Terminal Market and been doing ice cream for over 100 years. You grew up there, but you yeah. left and went to another food production company mm -hmm. before coming back and now leading the reins at you know a distribution network like no other going on. Tell us a little bit about you know, what it was like growing up in, in Bassett's, being around ice cream every day and, and learning that. Sure. Well, like you said, Bassett's Ice Cream has, has been around for over 100 years. In fact, this year we're celebrating our 160th year. Uh, that got us started back, back in 1861. It was my great-great-great-grandfather that started the company. He actually used to churn the ice cream by mule power on his farm in Salem, New Jersey. He was a Quaker school teacher before he got into the ice cream business. And he would cart that into Philadelphia and sell it in the farmer's markets along Market Street. And then, like you say, when the Reading Terminal Market opened in 1892, we were, as legend goes, the first to sign a lease over there. So we were really excited about that. That is exciting. 
Um, now I have your various flavors that are up on the website on my laptop right now. And I have to say there are a lot of delicious looking flavors. So <laughs> I've, <laughs> I, and I am a fan of peanut butter as much as you are. So why don't you talk mm. a little bit about your favorite flavors and yeah. have you ever like put in, you know, one of the creative concepts behind one of the flavors that, you know, have been available? Fun question. Absolutely one of the more fun parts about the job. It's the flavors. Ice cream, you know, people love all sorts of mix-ins. My favorite, as you mentioned there, it's peanut butter swirl. I don't think there's anything better than our peanut butter swirl Absolutely. ice cream. It's our it's our <laughs> Madagascar bourbon vanilla bean ice cream with uh, a generous swirl of peanut butter. And what I really like about it is that the peanut butter kind of sets up. It gets a little, little hard, so you get this... Um, this this creamy and and somewhat chewy from the peanut butter, salty, sweet, creamy. It's almost like eating a peanut butter sandwich with a glass of milk. It's also very good. Um, so the, the peanut butter swirl is my favorite. And like you mentioned, we, we've got a lot of flavors. In fact, you can find them up on our website in our flavor gallery. And we've got just under 40 flavors, including four different sorbets that are dairy-free. Um, and we try to come out with a new one every year. Um, it's tough. The, I think the hardest part about coming out with a new flavor is figuring out where on your menu it's going to go. I'm sure um, that that there are a lot of people on this on this listening in have been able to relate to. Um, you know, you bring something in. What's it going to replace? I only have so much space. I can only you know do so many flavors. Um, and so the hard part isn't necessarily what comes in, but what what goes on hiatus. Uh, what, what do we stop making to, to bring something in? Most recently, we made a chocolate fudge brownie. Uh, it was a flavor that I love. So, you know, I, I eat Bassett's ice cream. I, I have a spoonful. I, I have a spoonful every day. I had my spoonful this morning. <laughs> and in addition to Bassett's, I try to get out and I try to enjoy other ice creams. Uh, you know, you got to know what, what's going on out there, what some of the other flavors. And I've always loved chocolate fudge brownie. Whenever I see that on a menu, that's kind of what I what I go for. It's chewy. It's chocolatey. I love it. So I thought we should do our own. And we just came out with it this year. Um, our chocolate fudge brownies, it's a – you can – first of all, you can find it at our scoop shop in the Reading Terminal Market. But it's a chocolate ice cream with a chocolate swirl and these chewy brownie pieces. I know, <laughs> I, I know where I'm going to go after this. <laughs> well, you know, Alex, one of, there has to be an incredible amount of product or uh, pressure from the you know, marketing mm. point of view because if you go down mm. and list the great foods in Philadelphia, obviously hoagies going to be up there, cheesecakes yep. are going to be up there, tasty cakes are going to be up there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in that top five, Bassett's ice cream is right in there. Because there's <laughs> nothing that people think of, you know, you know, we can go back and we can say, you know, peanut chews or Wisniak black cherry. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Bassett's mm -hmm. is right there. And uh -huh. you guys bring it to us in so many ways. Yes, we can go to the supermarket. We can go to Ready Terminal, which mm -hmm. is my favorite way right. to get it right there. Because right. I think it tastes better at the Ready Terminal Market. I don't know why, but I just do. But we can get it now There's catering to, to our home. We can we can have the Bassett's Ice Cream Catering Division bring it to our next special event. That's right. And 
one of the, the, the crazy things, and I'm going to give this to you because you are the vice president of distribution. Mm-hmm. When I'm overseas in Asia, I can get baskets. That's right. That is absolutely right. That's wild, isn't it? So we we export our ice cream. It's not just uh, you know we are America's oldest ice cream brand, but we thought you know what it's it's time to share. Uh, so um, starting in 2008, actually, we started exporting our ice cream to China, um, and we we had this great opportunity. We were at a networking event and met um, met a, a gentleman who. Uh, uh, was able to connect us with with a buyer in in China and and uh, there was definitely a, a want for high quality U.S. made dairy products specifically around the 2008 time um, and uh, we we fit perfectly. Um, Bassett's ice cream is it's got a very unique recipe. See, we've got a little we've got a little less sugar than a lot of our competitors, so it's not as sweet. It's got a more of an emphasis on the taste of the dairy itself, um, and we we have a lot of uh, shall I say more conservative flavors. We're kind of an old school brand. We're not. Um, I know I just mentioned chocolate fudge brownie. Uh, we have a flavor. We have birthday cake. We've got some other fun and whimsical flavors. But what we do very very well, um, in addition to those, is our vanilla, our mint chocolate chip, our butter pecan, our cookies and cream, some of these more classic uh, flavors. Um, and that goes really well in Asia. So we started exporting in 2008 to, to China, and then actually more recently, uh, in 2016, we started exporting to Korea. And then uh, even more recent than that, we started exporting to Taiwan. So, so we're we're having a great time doing that. Well, I I see on your flavor menu that you also have a green tea matcha ice cream. Uh, yes. Do you export that as well? Because I would assume that that would play well in that in that market. Yeah, this kind of ties into what we talked about earlier. Um, some development type stuff. Um, matcha was definitely a flavor that we looked at as a result of our exporting business to Asia. Um, and we tried all these different varieties of, and this is one of the great things about being in the Reading Terminal Market, we tried all these different uh, green tea flavors, we tried combinations of things, and we were just stumped. We couldn't find one that we really liked. Um, so we actually visited our fellow Reading Terminal Market merchant, the Tea Leaf, and we said, you know, we're looking for a matcha that's, that's um, that's going to be a good, high-quality matcha, and um, we were given a sample, and we stirred it into some ice cream, and it was it was excellent. Um, and so we went ahead, and, and that's how we made our our formulation. We we actually uh, consulted the fellow Reading Terminal Market merchant for that. That's a very um, cool tie around. Yeah, yeah. Well, as a lover of your butter pecan, I will say in the summertime there is nothing better. I'm not, it, it, I'm not one of those people that say simple is best vanilla, but uh-huh. you know, I do love like I can eat your vanilla, and I can't do that in most other ice creams. Like I, I have to have, mm. you know, the butter pecan. I have to have a little chocolate, chocolate fanatic. I, you know, strawberry things like that. But I am absolutely and, and take your vanilla and make it into a milkshake. Oh, heaven, <laughs> heaven, well, heaven, heaven, heaven. You know. Well, thank you. Wonderful thing. 
<clears throat> Thank you. Yeah, our our what? ice cream is it's a sixteen and a half percent butterfat ice cream. So it it really it stands on its own. We don't we're not relying on the mix-ins, but but uh, but my great grandfather's ice cream recipe is really what we uh, rely on. That makes me want to before we let you go tie tie mm-hmm. around to you had studied um, on the short uh, the short program. For yes, uh, yes, you know what I'm gonna ask. <laughs> I, <laughs> the Penn State ice cream short course. Uh, in in my opinion, it's the premier ice cream uh, course in the country. There are other uh, universities that 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 offer ice cream classes. The University of Wisconsin, the University of Maryland. Um, there are probably more than that. But I I did the Penn State ice cream short course, and it was it was phenomenal. In fact. Um, it, I'm a sixth generation in my family to be in Bassett's ice cream, work for the in the ice cream industry, and five of those six generations have gone to the Penn State ice cream short course, starting with my great great grandfather. Oh wow! And wow. my great grandfather, who formulated all of our ice cream recipes and made that wonderful vanilla ice cream that you can enjoy all on its own like that, went to the Penn State ice cream short course, and he had in his head the ice cream recipe that we use today. In fact, he took that recipe to the professors of the Penn State ice cream short course, and they said, uh, you know, you've got uh, an interesting recipe here, but I'm so sorry, uh, Lewis. Unfortunately, that just won't work. That's that's an ice cream recipe that just won't run through the machines. You're going to have to retool it. Um, and my Great-grandfather, I could go on and on about stories about his stubbornness, but uh, he didn't take that as a, as a, all that serious of an answer. So he went ahead and made the ice cream uh, using the recipe that, that was, he was told was never going to work. And, and lo and behold, it did work, and it made a uniquely silky smooth, fantastic ice cream that, uh, that, that other, others you just can't, can't compare because it's so far out of the uh, – the, the normal ice cream recipe mold that people are accustomed to. Um, it's an interesting sort of thing. So, Alex, how do people, if they want to book uh, catering or, mm-hmm. you know, obviously we know where to get your ice cream. We can find it in pretty much every supermarket, you know, in the region and beyond. But, you know, if people want to get or find out more about Bassett, how are they going to do that? Right. Well, you know, if you're, if you, uh, it all starts at our website. So BassettsIceCream.com, there are a few tabs uh, that you can look at. Find Us is a great one to to find your local retailer. But we also have a shop online feature where you can go and, um, you know, if you're local to Philadelphia, you can get ice cream delivered via uh, a number of uh, local uh, delivery models. But we also work with the Pennsylvania General Store and Gold Belly. Now, both of those services do mail order, and we can offer our ice cream in all 50 states. So that might be a good option for anybody that's looking to mail order Bassett's ice cream. And uh, so, if, so, yeah, our website is the place to go. If people want to find out a little bit more about just the food history in Philadelphia, I encourage them to go to your website because you have a timeline that not only talks about Bassett's ice cream, but it talks about the wedding terminal market. And it really is a great timeline of just wonderful history of Philadelphia right there for people, but put in the format of ice cream. It's I, I just so enjoy reading your website. I, I go to websites sometimes to find hours of operation and a phone mm-hmm. number, but your 
website. I just love reading. And, and <laughs> Thank you so it. much. That's fantastic. Alex, it's Thank an you. honor to have Bassett's, the legendary Bassett's, on our show today. Thank you so much. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. I I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Oh, that was great. Thank you. And let's. Thank you, Alex. Thank you, Alex. Appreciate it. And we'll be right back. To become a sponsor of our show and promote your business or event on every single podcast platform, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music, in addition to WWDB Talk Radio every Tuesday at 6 p.m. evening drive time. Email us today at diningonadime at yahoo.com for our very low rates. And we're back. Chef Gene, introduce our fantastic guest. Well, what a pleasure it is to interview or to introduce Jared Cannon, uh, the founder and president of Simply Good Jars. Jared, welcome to the show. Thank you for being with us. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure to be here, and uh, it's a great day already, so can't wait to get started. So, Jared, you were working on your master's degree. You had uh, a lucrative restaurant hospitality career uh, over 15 years in the industry together, and, uh, you know, as the story that I hear goes, uh, you know, you were looking and you were tired of, you know, eating fast food and, and just you know, things that were readily convenient when you were trying to juggle both working on your MBA as well as, as working, and you founded this concept. Is You know, what, what came about? What, what transpired to bring us this incredible, healthy option today that we could find in so many locations? Yeah, so I mean, Simply Good Jars, as you kind of alluded there, right, was kind of the the brainchild born out of necessity for myself, right? So, you know, running a bunch of restaurants, you know, trying to get my business degree at night, you know, not having a whole lot of time, really kind of living a fast-paced lifestyle, it was really tough to try and eat well, you know, on the go. And, you know, you kind of combine that with, just kind of existing, you know, in the wilderness, so to speak, and going in the grocery stores and seeing, you know, all of these things packaged in, you know, plastic and walking the streets at night or during the day with people begging for food and, you know, leading a ton of restaurants that, you know, at the end of the day, throw out a bunch of food. And so you have this kind of discovered disconnect between this, you know, disposing of food that was perfectly edible, people that are begging for food, you know, uh, on the side of the street and all of this, you know, food and plastic packaging, you know, going to waste it to me kind of resonated as an opportunity to create a product that could address all three of those issues. And so we created simply good jars in 2017 to effectively bring a healthier and more delicious concept to that kind of grab and go consumer that was really tasty, really healthy and, and really packaged in a jar that was built for reuse. So every time you, you know, are done enjoying one of our salads, you can reuse the jar or, or pledge to recycle it by just scanning the QR code right on the label. And every time someone pledges to reuse or recycle, we'll donate a meal to a local food charity uh, in their area. So we ask for the zip code and, and we target the, locus, the, the closest food bank uh, in our network. 
which is such a, an outstanding community idea. You know, more and more today, people realize or need to realize it's the little things like you're doing there. It's a simple thing that's really what's making a difference. You know, we can't count on government and, and huge business to do this for us. It's, you know, the small, medium-sized business that, that is really making a difference. So, you know, kudos to you and your company. You did a kind of a unique uh, marketing plan in the beginning. You, uh, you took it to TV. Tell, tell us a little yeah. bit about that. Well, it definitely wasn't a plan. You know, I didn't scribble in a journal and said, we'll be on TV and, uh, <laughs> and made it come true. Uh, it was much harder and much different than that. But, you know, as, as the days would come, you know, we, uh, you know, been a, I've been a fan of the Shark Tank show my whole career and, uh, you know, really just found an opportunity to present the idea in a compelling way. And it, you know, resonated and, you know, we were effectively selected and filmed and did all this through COVID, which was kind of nuts, but, um, you know, the, you know, kind of sitting back and watching yourself on the screen after being a fan of the shows, you know, super surreal, even more so than, you know, being in that room in front of, you know, the sharks and, and, you know, pitching the business concept. Um, and it was, it was pretty awe inspiring. And, you know, we had tons and tons of outpouring of support from all over the country. And in some cases in Europe and Canada and Australia and, and, you know, all around the world. So, um, you know, from that point on, our, our world has changed, as you can imagine. And, uh, you know, we can't wait to get more jars into more people's hands, you know, as time goes by here. So after... Well, uh, go ahead, Ava. Sorry, Gene. After you actually appeared on Shark Tank, did the did they, like, you know, foster, like, um, a relationship with you and, like, you know, take you along the the route or a business plan to take you to the next level? Or is that something where they, you know, you get the money and then you run with your idea? So I can only speak to kind of the approach we took. And, you know, my experience was very much, you know, we kind of have this plan that we're executing on and making progress on. And, you know, we, we are driven and focused to do that. So, you know, we did not, you know, ask for, or were told, you know, to, to change course by any stretch of imagination. It was really more, more of the same, just bigger, faster, you know, um, with, you know, more eyes on the product and, and more people coming to the website, you know, saying, Hey, I want this near me kind of thing. And I mean, I think it's very important. Oh, no, go, Gene. Realized too that while you were, you know, founded in Philadelphia in 2017, I, I love, you know, the slogan that, you know, Simply Good Doors is coming to a town near you. And, and that's so true. Your market is expanding and your product line is expanding. I first ran into you at the Flower Show here in Philadelphia this year, you know, to yep. see all your products and to see you there and, and have the opportunity to talk to your team, which was just outstanding because <clears throat> having been in the restaurant industry as many years as I have to see the pride and the buy-in of the team members, you know, the belief in That's the product, great. something you don't see Love very that. often today. And it was really, it, that's what, you know, really grabbed hold of me while I thought this is a great idea. It's a wonderful thing. Look at the charitable aspect, look at everything they're doing. 
but it was the belief in the buy-in from your people that said, you know what, i got to find out more about this. There, there's something here because I, I, I don't often see that in the industry today. So, you know, congratulations to you on that. Thank you. What, That's great to hear. How many products do you carry now? What, what's your variety? So we have uh, a pretty wide variety in market today, but, you know, we're really excited about what is kind of in development and coming out of development in the next month or two. So, you know, at Expo East here in Philadelphia in September, we'll be launching some really cool, unique, innovative products that are not salads, but kind of leverage this technology that we've created and, and patented now um, that allows kind of the, the the life of fresh fruit and vegetables to extend themselves naturally without any preservative use or enhancements or anything like that, just, you know, completely naturally. And so, um, you know, you can find Simply Good Jar salads, you know, widely distributed uh, up and down the East Coast as far west as Ohio today. But uh, that will be expanding in the very near term uh, alongside some of these other uh, cool, innovative products we plan to launch in September. I don't know. Well, that's wonderful here. Oh, sorry. I don't know what the products are but uh, the that you're going to be launching. I would love to know a teaser. Um, but given that I think that you have uh, that on lockdown, I will say that your heavenly pesto looks amazing. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, we we like to take the approach to salads and and to products that are familiar, but you know, really create kind of a combination that's that's different, you know, or, or unique. And so, you know, the heavenly pesto is a great example. We take a uh, Israeli couscous, we you know cook it and coat it with a fresh basil pesto without nuts, and you know, combine that with a product that tor- took us about a year and a half to source. And, and create a recipe to basically pickle a mini, tiny mini pepper um, with, uh, you know, sweet mozzarella and greens. And it's just, you know, we called it heavenly pesto because, you know, the, the second you taste it, it's like, wow, this is like, this is like heaven, you know. One of the things that I really enjoy about your products, and, and obviously, you know, Simply Good Jars uses technology and, and science, but you're not you know, chemically engineering anything, you're not, you know, doing anything with, you know, from a, uh, a biology point of view. So, you know, when I say that, yep. you know, we're using science, we're using science that, that is used every day, but it doesn't feel that way. It doesn't look that way. You know, like when I go and, and I work with sous vide products all the time and, you know, I, I understand that, you know, the, the Wawa, cheeseburger concept because that's pretty much a sous vide product you know all that you it kind of gives you a little bit of a strange feeling at times and the opposite occurs when i see your products i i get excited i'm like natural healthy great i'm gonna grab it boom you know like what a wonderful thing you're doing you are introducing people who would probably not go that route to grabbing a healthy option, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think what, what we really pride ourselves on is, you know, you, you think of, you know, fresh and healthy and grab and go. And, like, what comes to mind immediately is, like, bland, boring, you know, not very inspiring, um, probably not very tasty. And, you know, it's it, you got to assemble it or you got to, like, you know, mix a salad with a fork and spill half of it on your lap. 
And so by, you know, applying a process and a technology and a science, to your point, to make, you know, those same type of ingredients last longer and therefore, you know, enhance the overall ingredients that we can actually utilize and, uh, and make it more accessible, to your point, you know, put it in places, you know, with convenience in mind where people already are, where they would typically be buying a, a sandwich or a cheeseburger or, you know, fried this, or maybe it's a hummus cup, right? You know, not everybody, you know, does and goes for some of, you know, the bad things. But this, I think, for the first time allows people to really have an option at their fingertips in those moments and in those places where, you know, the alternatives, you know, unhealthy or, or uninspiring. I can I jump in here with the the like grab and go concept because I'm on your website and I can see that you can also pick it up on GoPuff, which is a very popular online ordering um, delivery system. So I think that that's fabulous that you have that. Yeah, so GoPuff we launched you know right at the beginning of COVID actually, and it just turned out to be good timing. But you know at the end of the day. You know, like I said, you know, just previously, our goal is to make it easier to get, you know, more accessible. And what's easier than have it delivered to your door in 20 minutes or less? <laughs> so, you know, GoPuff has been a great partner of ours. and We've expanded pretty broadly and continue to do so. Um, I mean, as long as they keep raising money, we're going to keep expanding. So, um, you know, it sounds like we're both on the right track. Absolutely. Great combination. Working, I spend a good deal of my time in campus dining and working with higher education, and I just keep getting drawn to, like, what a great product for retail campus operations. And, yeah. You know, how wonderful yeah, I agree. it would be. You know, I have, I have my children. Um, I work for, a, you know, one of the major companies out there, and, and my children go to Temple University, which is, you know, one of uh, my competitors, I should say, but you know, like, what a great thing to have both of that, you know, both of those schools using your products as a retail product for students to, you know, to teach nutrition and healthy eating and, you know, coming in day to day and doing that. So, uh, you know, yeah. hopefully yeah. that'll we, be something we've seen so. in the near future. Yeah, we're definitely, we have some programs you know, here in the fall, um, launching in, in several Philly area and, you know, extended area university systems. And, you know, historically, I mean, I think we were at Temple for like their 50th anniversary party or 100th anniversary party. I don't, I don't remember what it was, but um, we sold 600 jars in 17 minutes. Wow. So, wow. to your point. <laughs> wow. wow. Yeah, that is like, impressive. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good fit there. <laughs> Um, so while you are talking about a location, um, that you had vended at, why don't you let us know where to find you online and also, um, out in the market? Yeah. So, you know, simplygoodjars.com, you know, simplygoodjars across all social channels really helps kind of drive you into our site, which, you know, you basically get two options you can find online. So GoPuff would be a good example there. And it's all depending on your location or, you can go visit our store locator, type in your zip code or address, and, you know, it will basically populate locations you can find Simply Good Jars, you know, in a retail outlet uh, within 20 miles of that location. 
And if for whatever reason, you know, you can't find a location or there's not one near you, you can request that one of your local grocery stores carry Simply Good Jars by clicking a button and uh, and shooting them a tweet. So we make it easy to to expand and, and come near you. And, you know, again, we, we're looking to get more jars and more hands, you know, broadly across the country here in the next 12 to 18 months. Well, well the- on the part of the great jars you have, they really are great jars. I brew cider and mead and, and products such as that. And I was coming up to Maine, and I was like, okay, what's going to fit good in the core? So I have eight of your jars filled with, well, uh, they're no longer filled, but awesome. they were filled with with a uh, peach and apple cider that I put together a couple of weeks ago before I came up here. So you know, thank what we you like for to that. hear. <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Jared. It was great having you on the show. Yeah, it was a Jared, pleasure. Jared, success uh, for you. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Okay, let's take a break and we'll be right back. Tune in to Dining on a Dime to hear from Gene Blum, our chef, educator, consultant, and historian. You can find him across social media at ibfoodie2 or Gene Blum at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. And you can also tune in to listen to Amaris Pollock and find her across social media at A-R-P-O-L-L-O-C-K-U-S at gmail.com. And we're back, Chef Gene. Introduce your fabulous guest. Well, what a great pleasure it is to introduce Matt Rossi, the owner of Nick's Roast Beef, Cotman Avenue and Woodhaven Road, as well as the president of the Philadelphia Mobile Food Truck Association and a food truck owner himself. Welcome, Matt. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me today. Matt, our pleasure. So, Matt, in a couple of years I've known you, I watched your business grow and develop through such hard work, dedication, and, and creativity. I mean, you, in the middle of a pandemic, you know, we're laying out plans for growth on a new location and a whole new concept featuring Gelato. You were, you know, expanding, you know, your catering services. You were looking at every option possible, as well as doing everything possible to support the hospitality industry in this extremely difficult time we had. So kudos to you for getting to where you are today and now hopefully starting to see some of the benefits of all your hard work. You know, it's been a long, tough battle for you. Tell us a little bit about what the last couple of years have been like for Nick's Roast Beef and everything you do. Yeah, it's been a lot of ups and downs. Obviously, we uh, – so I was the general manager for Nick's um, for the last seven years. And then in 2018, I had the opportunity to buy the Common Avenue location – same year, we um, got presented another chance to uh, buy a restaurant that was going out of business up at the Woodhaven Road location. And uh, I'm just aggressive, I guess is the best way I can put it, and maybe sometimes overly aggressive. And, you know, like anything else, sometimes you win some, sometimes you lose some. I think we've done pretty well so far. Um, and I think, you know, in listing the attributes that got me here, I think you forgot luck. That was definitely a, a, a nice chunk of how we got to where we are today i've had some good breaks along the way and some good people around me you know i talk about this all the time i would not be able to be anywhere i am right now 
it wasn't for the core of people that work for me. You know, like there's a lot of comes and goes, uh, unfortunately in this business, we all know that, but I've got a core group of about seven guys that are just dynamite. I wouldn't trade them for anything. The kind of guys you'd go to battle with every day. And I do, um, I'm a very active, involved owner. Um, I'm in the businesses every single day, sweating my, my tail off with the rest <laughs> of them. And, uh, I, I love it. I don't know what else I would do is the reality of it. Well, I mean, and, your businesses are really diverse. I mean, Woodhaven Road is is one of my favorite places to go for kind of a sports bar, great sandwich, you know, good food, cold beer, just a, what a wonderful opportunity to go and watch a game there. So you have this great sports bar theme going on there. And then, you know, Coppin Avenue is such an established product there that people go. It's a long you know, history of people going there. But then you have a food truck business with, I don't know, five different brands, six different brands. Can you tell us a little bit about your food truck and catering world? Yeah. So I, uh, the food trucks have been an amazing uh, pivot that started well before the pandemic. You know, we've all learned the word pivot through the whole pandemic and everybody's learned how to do it in one capacity or another. But, you know, I, uh, 2015, I decided that Nick's needed to, when I was still the general manager, I decided Nick's needed to branch out a little further because, you know, the uh, demographic of the area that we, uh, our, our home base, our flagship of Cotman Avenue is, has changed so much. Um, and with change comes um, different tastes and foods. So we still have a good core customer base, but at the same time, it's not the heavy bar crowd that it used to be because as our customers got older, they progressed and, you know, either moved out of the area, um, went out to the suburbs and, and just naturally changed what their habits are. So um, we needed to we needed to get that back. But we're still stuck in the brick and mortar on Cotman Avenue it's stuck as a loose word. But um the way we, we deemed to do it was um, to start the food trucks and, and bring the food to the customers that grew up loving Nick's. There's so many people out there whose families have so many events and family occasions tied to Nick's roast beef, uh, whether it be the banquet room or drop off catering. And, and now we're able to do the food trucks just as much. And it's been, it's been a heck of a ride here to, to use the term of food trucks. Um, we're just moving and, and we have, we're up to, we're up to 10 trucks. 10 physical trucks and then um the brands are um we have eight or nine different brands that we operate and 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 they're not just run-of-the-mill like they're all gourmet foods like uh, example is like uh our barbecue brand fat belly barbecue we we have uh top of the line ten thousand plus dollar smoker that we're making the barbecue in we're not we're not pretending to be barbecue we're just it's just not the only thing we do, I guess is the best way we're, we're really going out there and putting a roll into it. Our pizza brand, we have, we have, um, double decker pizza ovens in all the restaurants, you know, like we're, we're really taking it seriously on every one of these food brands. I well, I will, I will say that I recently attended an event for one of the big area hospitals and it was a VIP event and your food trucks were there and we had, the barbecue, which was outstanding and delicious. But in addition to that, you had kind of a Mediterranean flavor going on and you had a fish taco that was by far the single best fish taco I've ever had in my life. 
came off a food truck, and it was just outstanding. And the other thing I really love is the quality of products that you start with. Little things that I noticed. I got such a great quality plate and utensils with my dinner. It showed me that people cared. It wasn't thrown in a little paper boat. It was done with care and quality. Those little details. And, you know, right from then, it was like, okay, this is somebody I got to be around and do more business with. So, you know, kudos to you on that one. And I have to say that um, I I am on your site right now, and I didn't know you were the mastermind between behind uh, the cow and the curd. And for all of our listeners out there, if you've ever been to a food truck event or to any kind of event where there is a food truck, in particular one of his food trucks, the line just goes on forever, including the cow and the curd, which is one of Philadelphia's, you know, favorite like foods to to delve into you know you'll you'll see it when there's this big cow and you know but like you have it also on next roast beef like you know what it is that you're getting when you go to one of your food trucks so i you know i i don't know what other food trucks you have and what other establishments um or what other options you have at your you know brick and mortar location but from everything that I've already eaten, I love it. Mm, that's great. I really appreciate that. And I, I just, just for some clarification, so a lot of what we've done is we've um, partnered with a lot of different uh, companies that either uh, pr- prior to the pandemic or during the pandemic have stepped away from the restaurant industry, but have also built um, such a solid brand that I really didn't want to let them um, go by the wayside. So the cow and the curd is an example of that. I, I've got to give... I would love to take credit for it because it is a great brand. It was a brand built from the ground up, but it was, it wasn't built by me. It was built by Rob Mitchell. Oh, okay. Um, he did a great job with it from every little detail. The guy flew in and out of Wisconsin. He found the best cheese makers, the, be- the best recipes for the batter, um, just everything from soup to nuts. And that kind of just transpired. And I think where I can tie it back to myself is that we pride ourselves on taking that model and doing it exactly how he did it. it you, you won't miss a beat with what we're doing compared to what Rob was orchestrating a few years back. So, um, you know, that's a challenge in itself, uh, upholding those standards and, and honestly almost stronger than the actual operator had them because I believe, you know, if we can't do his job as good or better, then I don't deserve to have the brand under my umbrella. Well, that's one of the things I truly appreciate about you. I knew Rob as well, and, and you do uphold that. You stay to that quality. You, you know, you're focused, you know, laser-focused on making sure that that continues, and it's something to take a lot of pride in. You know, during the pandemic, when everybody else was, I can't do this, uh, should I close my doors? You went and opened up a commissary and a ghost kitchen as well. Like, yeah. That that's gutsy. That's brave. I mean, you took on one more option through all that, and, and you know, well, uh, braver. Now you're doing catering and brave, brave or stupid. I don't know. Um, <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I, I I think it gave us some great office space. It gave us some uh, great suburban exposure, um, <clears throat> and it's a, it's going to be a a, a growing uh, arm 
to our overall operation as we get into the fall. I mean, we we took over last last fall, believe it or not, it was that long ago, um, and we're utilizing what is a great facility of a kitchen, incredible equipment, uh, refrigeration, freezers, so just so much great space um, that we took over. And, um, you know, it's going it, to, in the, in the fall, we're going to shift some of the food trucks to be out there, particularly uh, we're going to be um, partnering with a, a brand that we haven't announced yet um, and operating their truck. That's going to specifically be run out of there because it needs a specific kitchen. Um, so there, there's a lot of exciting things on the horizon here, in addition to what we're already doing. And some people look at it and they're like, don't you, aren't you doing enough? Like, <laughs> How are you going to keep track? I, I, again, I go back to the people, the people I have around me, you know, they're, they're both young and hungry and, and busting their butts to, to take it to the next level. And they want to be a part of it. And um, I, I certainly appreciate the hard work they're putting into. Well, and I think, you know, something people need to realize in our listeners out there is you, you present so many options today. You know, everybody put off their weddings and their special events during the pandemic and, now people are running to find venues and difficult and struggling with finding the venue and the cost of venues and things like that. And people can contact you and go and, and have a place in, you know, one of the parks in one of the, you know, in a, in a smaller area in some open space and have a wonderful special event with, you know, appetizers all the way to dessert, which we'll talk about in a minute all by placing one phone call with you. And if they want something catered, that could be done as well. So it could be off the food trucks catered. It could be catered in their house. But you know, you're presenting people who need options with those options. So, you know, kudos to that <clears throat> as well. So, Matt, where can our listeners find you online and on social media in order to you know, have some of your food or to have you cater their, their event? Yeah. Um, so the easiest place to start is nicksnortheast.com. Um, that's our home base website. That's the Cotman Avenue location. Um, and believe it or not, I still, everything we have going on, I still see every email that comes through. I, I kind of distribute or, or answer them myself, depending on things. It's funny. I actually answer, I pass on more of the catering, to my management team and answer more of any uh, guest comments or concerns than anything else at this point, just because I, I like to know, I, I like customers to know that I'm still so involved. I actually just got off the phone with a customer who had some points to bring up about it. We're, we're on a job right now, literally as we speak. And he, he felt he wanted to bring something to our attention. And it was great that I got to talk to him because I don't know that I would have even heard it. And it's a learning point, you know, it's a way for us to get better and better. And so, um, you know, bringing it back full circle. Yeah. I mean, the, the websites are a great place to start. Um, our social media, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, all of the following, both with Nick's roast beef, uh, Coven Avenue, Woodhaven road, the food trucks are on all the social media. Dolce out of Ambler is the gelato location. Um, that's on the social media and actually making its first public appearance this weekend, uh, at, um, Ambler first Fridays. So we're kind of excited about the Dolce truck being out on the road this week. That sounds wonderful. I'm very excited for the Dolce truck. That's awesome. I recently had some of your products, and wow, outstanding. (laughs) 
Well, Matt, I look forward to trying Dolce. Um, and of course, I am a huge lover of anything that's barbecue. So I will look for your food trucks. And thank you for joining us on the show. Thanks a lot, Matt. No, no problem, guys. Thanks for having me. Matt, thank great you time. very much. Congratulations right, on the new house. Talking, okay, and we'll thank be you. right back. To become a sponsor of our show and promote your business or event on every single podcast platform, including Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Amazon Music, in addition to WWDB Talk Radio every Tuesday at 6 p.m. evening drive time. Email us today at diningonadime at yahoo.com for our very low rates. And we're back. Chef Gene, let's talk about lobster. Well, good afternoon, everyone. So I am up here in Southwest Harbor, which is uh, adjacent to Bar Harbor in Maine. And I've been spending the last couple of days learning about the great food here in Maine and uh specifically did some research today um, about lobsters with a wonderful uh, hatchery and fishing fleet up here uh, called Parsons. Parsons has been around for a long time. So one of the things before we get into all the details about Parsons is Maine is an amazing, amazing place when it comes to the regulation of lobster. So a couple things people don't realize. Lobsters, if you're complaining about what the price of lobster is right now, do not complain to the lobster fishermen. It is supply and demand on the distribution end, not on the lobster fishermen. They are still pretty much getting the exact same money they are per lobster that they were getting last year, the year before, so on and so forth. In Maine, they have over 6,000 independent lobster fishermen to work together to keep the industry regulated so it's good for the future of the industry, good for them today, good for their children, and good for the consumer. 6,000, not one big corporation in among that. There are 6,000 independent lobster fishermen. I think that's a wonderful statistic. This year we're seeing pretty high lobster prices. Uh, I bought today off Parsons. And I paid about $13 a pound for the lobster. I could get it a little less if I go down to the docks and buy it off the boats. But really happy with you know, the lobsters I got today at Parsons. I went in. I learned so much for them. Thank you for their time. So a couple things about lobsters. There's a minimum size. Uh, what they call, it's a three and a quarter inch um, distance from the eye socket to the beginning of the tail shell. So that three and a quarter inches to make sure you do not harvest them too many to, or too soon, okay? Uh, lobster takes about five to seven years or what they say, 25 molts usually to get to that one, one and a quarter pound lobster, which is that three and a quarter inch, you know, size that they measure but maine is the only place in the world that has a maximum size and that maximum size is a five inch uh distance between that eye socket and the beginning of the tail and that comes in at about three to five pounds per lobster 
the reason they do that, and I love this, is that the smaller lobsters, the younger lobsters, when they produce eggs, they produce a few thousand eggs, maybe 5,000 on a, on a good year. But as they get older, they can actually produce more and more eggs every year. So that five-pound lobster, six-pound lobster, you know, even getting a little bit more, can produce upwards of 50,000 eggs at a shot, which is great for the population of lobsters. Of that, about 3% actually make it to, you know, that five to seven years where they become, you know, the, the one, one quarter pound lobster. But what a really wonderful thing. And they, they get in a little bit of battle with Canada. So I don't want to, you know, say anything negative here, and I'm not going to. You know, Maine has that limit where you can only take a certain size. Canada doesn't. They could be fishing common waters, and the Canadian lobstermen are taking the bigger lobsters that the Maine fishermen are throwing back. But then we also have no closed season. Canada has a closed season. So they watch from the comfort of their home as the main lobster men are harvesting lobsters in, in the off season too. So it's a wonderful thing. The lobster right here is to die for. Very strangely enough, I'm going to give a shout out to another business up here called Arcadia Lobster and Barbecue. Who would have thought one of the top three places I've ever had barbecue was going to be in Maine? A little roadside shack, lobster, barbecue. I had the pulled pork. Uh, one of my family members had the brisket. Both absolutely amazing products. So if you're up in the Bar Harbor area, Arcadia Lobster Barbecue, you can't miss it. They have a big sign out front that says, quote, unquote, I like pig butts and I cannot lie. <laughs> Love that. It's my new mantra. Okay. One of the other great things I have, and I know I'm getting short on time, I discovered this great community thing here in Southwest Harbor, which, by the way, Southwest Harbor is where Melinda Gates has a home. It's where Martha Stewart has a home. But it's the cutest little community ever. I walked over, and I saw this place. It was open for breakfast on Sunday. I went over. It was the Common Good Soup Kitchen. I'm like, okay, why am I going to a soup kitchen for breakfast? They set up a little place outside the soup kitchen that's called Popover Cafe. Popovers are a big thing up here in Maine. And you go in and you get popover, oatmeal, and coffee. And you just make a donation to the soup kitchen, and that's your breakfast. But the popover is right from the kitchen, so fresh. But the best part of all, was the blueberry, Maine blueberry preserves to come with it. If you have never had Maine blueberries, they're very different. They're a little bit tart. They grow on a bush that's very low to the ground, like almost like a ground cover. They're a little bit smaller in size, but they are just so delicious. Common Good Soup Kitchen, Popover Cafe, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. We're in Maine. It's a group of aging hippies like me. They had us aging hippies out there playing music. It was just a great feel-good experience taking care of the community. One other suggestion for you if you're up here, down the place, Mount Desert, because I happen to be staying on Mount Desert Island. Mount Desert's Pie Company, you can order them mail order. 
I kid you not, a nine-inch or a nine-inch pie between three and three and a half pounds of fruit in that pie. I got a mixed berry pie, which was strawberries, blueberries, raspberries, blackberries, all local. There was the the whole pie weighed in at over seven pounds. It is just to die for. So any questions concerning lobsters, feel free to email me. I have picked up so much great information. I feel so good about the lobster industry, the future of the lobster industry, things I had heard about but wasn't sure. You know, when I was looking at pricing, it was a little upset. Then I find out that the lobster fishermen are still getting the same amount. It just has to do with supply, the band, and everything else. Now, you know, go out. Gene, where can they where can they find you? Where can they email you? They can email me at ibfoodie2 at yahoo.com. That's I-B-F-O-O-D-I-E-2 at yahoo.com. Or you can follow me at social media at Gene Blum or ibfoodie2. Thank you. Philly Restaurant Reviews with an S.com. Amherst Pollock. You can find me across social media under Amaris Pollock, my name, or you can find me at AR Pollockus. And if you would like to join our show or sponsor our show, you can email me at arpollockus at gmail.com. Have a great week!